Hey guys, welcome to NGF's topic of the week. We've got a really interesting one this week. It's um the topic is called How Can the United States Improve Its Soft Power? So there's two general things in international relations uh theories, I'd sort of say, called hard power and soft power. Hard power is straight up basic military, military might. Actually a very good economist article that just came out about um the uh hard power index is what they call it. And the United States, of course, is number one at like 40%. Check that out on our uh, social media page on Instagram. Yep, I just posted actually. <laughs> I saw that, yeah. Yep, and uh, the second one, soft power, is actually a multitude of things. It can be something from like diplomacy, or in the case of the United States, it's like Hollywood, building buildings, technology, trade. Here, I got That's this. soft power. I got you right now. So yeah. soft power can be considered as what Josh said, the use of um and to increase power through a nation's standing, core principles, and its export of cultures. Um this can be done through diplomacy, providing aid internationally. So let's say country A provides uh country B uh economic assistance or any sort of assistance that increases your soft power. Um educational cultural exchanges. Uh, promotion of a nation's language concepts and values um, outside of um, your country's borders. Yep. So that's how you increase your soft power. Hard power is through things like military, as he said, military um, power. It can also be through things like economic sanctions, oh, yeah, uh, trade ties, and political alliances. So where the United States is lacking, and which is the title of this episode, is the soft power. The United States is too dependent on the use of hard power to um to push our to show off who we are on yeah. the global stage we rely a lot on military power and economic sanctions that's Absolutely. that's just how we are our trade ties mainly with allies that the united states considers safe yep. and not so much promoting out more the use of more diplomacy more exchanges with uh, education and cultural exchanges. The one thing that the United States is good at is educational exchanges. Yes, absolutely. That is one soft power technique the United States is good at. We have a lot of incoming international students that come here to the United States to study, particularly um, in the New England region and in places like California. Students love to uh, go to California as well. What are some other schools? New York. New York schools. Yeah. Ivy League schools as yeah. well here in the United States, which is which is one of our benefits, and yeah, that we're good at that. Yeah, I would also say that one of our biggest things is culture as well. I mean, obviously, ninety percent of the world's movies and TV shows are American made. Ninety um, percent of the world's popular music that you hear on the radio are American pop musics uh, musicians or singers or bands. Um, when it comes to food, everyone. As the burger, the burger was invented here, and pizza not invented here, but popularized mm -hmm. in the United States. So those are big things that we're we're good at. Um, one of the things I read this article is called Thought Co. But the decline of soft power started after nine eleven. Kind of makes sense during the Bush Doctrine era, wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, where we used preventative war and unilateral decision making uh, to eclipse. The value of soft power in the minds of people home and abroad, and so it's also happened under the the Donald Trump presidency, where 
We further moved from soft power by making a shift towards unilateralism and an American first foreign policy. Um, under the Biden administration, it never, or not the Biden administration, the Obama administration, it never really changed because he was still fighting the war in the Middle East, the war on terror. So he never had to make a change. And so I think one of the things that the, the Biden administration is trying to do is reverse all this and put the United States back into the global stage of soft power. Just to give some examples of soft power in the past. The Marshall Plan after World War II, rebuilding of Europe, mm. very big soft power. The earthquakes in Japan and Haiti, very, very big use of the United States soft power. And most recently, is a good one, is the Chips and Sciences Act, where we're bringing manufacturing jobs and introducing new technology Back in into the United States. That's a great way to influence our soft power. But the United States is losing a lot of its diplomatic soft power, losing a lot of its, I would say, cultural and even technology in some sense. I mean, even as you said, the CHIPS Act, bringing back yeah. manufacturing into the United States, I still believe we're losing that because oh, there's no, no – I just don't feel as if there's an implementation process to this act. No. Okay, we have this act. What are the next steps? What are we going to do to actually – attract investors back this game is all about attraction mm -hmm. it's about why should me a let's say i don't know french business person come to the united states or invest with y'all that's that's all this this game is yeah, i agree and i think a big part of putting out policy like that is implementation if you if we don't have an a b c d for year one and an a b c d for year two it's not going to attract our uh, it's not going to attract people coming into the United States. There's no clear path. People want paths. People, it, we live in a time where our attention span is low. People just want things to be fed to them. And if we give people reasons to come and invest in the United States and feed them the reasons, then it's going to increase our attractiveness and our ability to persuade others to come into the United States. Um. So yeah. Yeah. Currently, we use a mix of both soft and hard power. Yes. But with more recent things going on in ukraine and china the united states has been big on hard power on uh yeah hard power which we shouldn't have to pick and choose which one we should use we should Absolutely. still stick with soft power yeah because we still need to prove to the rest of the world that the united states is the only option bricks can't be a thing other alliances can't be a thing let's be with the united states type yeah. situation we can offer you better things. And we must. We need, to, we need to have it in a way where if a country wants to work with us economically, we, we need to reason with them. We can't just say, follow by the United States. This is what we're going to do. And this is, which I feel like we've been doing a lot. Too much of. Too much of. Do what the U.S. says and that's it. Why can't we have compromise? Why can't we have an exchange of ideas and yeah. values? That's what, if, if we want to be this one, one world situation... There's never a conversation, ever. Exactly. And that's the biggest problem. And so one of the things that I really wanted to discuss is make points on how the United States can increase soft power. So I have made a couple of my own points. I don't know if you've made any. But point number one, invest in the Middle East, Latin America, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Africa. Mainly what oh, I'm boy. trying to aim at is investing in developing countries. Probably Directly. the most important. Directly and clearly. Yes. Probably the most important part to influence and exert United States soft power. 
because what we can do is we can help build their countries by investing in them, in their firms, in their economies, in their infrastructure to build. And then they'll want to reinvest in us and give them trade with us. So, so important to do that. Yep, I, that was point number two for me. That was point number two? <laughs> point number one was supporting democratic institutions. I love that. Everywhere. I love that. We we shouldn't be the one saying, you need to have a democracy, and that's it. We're, we live in an era where the United States is no longer in a position to go spread democracies. We're in this, we're in, we want to support democratic values. We want to make sure that your government is giving your people voices need to be heard. If you want to have a different way of government, so be it. We can't be the one encroaching on your way of government, your way of life, your way of cultures, way of traditions. Just support human rights and democratic values in some form, then we should then we're we should be okay to work with each other. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we want to work with other people. They're going to have different ideas of how a government runs. Now, if as I, as we said in our last episode, what's going on in Latin America in Ecuador? Yeah, that would have been a perfect place for the United States to showcase soft power and. Uh, reaffirm our position in supporting democracies yes, and protecting absolutely. human rights. We're missing out on a good opportunity to build our soft power. In multiple instances, actually, in yeah. Latin America, we missed the statement. Them. Be perfect. Yep. We don't even have to do anything. We could just say something. No, we should do something. We should do something, of course. <laughs> but we should. We but we're, not even, we're not even at the point to, to give a statement. Yep. We're too caught up in G7, China, and Russia. Yeah. And we're missing out on all these other countries that do need international assistance and the international community uh, name one thing uh, there's not been one thing that the un has said about latin america nope from brazil to from venezuela let's go back venezuela to brazil to now ecuador we'll see if they say something i hope they do i don't know that's a great point point number one for me was democratic institutions and human rights we need to show to the world that the united states does care about our eight billion people population yeah. First and foremost. Absolutely. That's, that's what I think is first. And so for me, my point number two actually goes back to our education one that you said that we're actually good at. But I think what we need to do is give out even more visas to yes. students worldwide to come and say, not even, come get educated in the United States. Not even that. The whole entire visa process to yeah. come into the United States, whether you want to be on tourism or is it? Yeah. Uh, whether you're on tourism, whether you're here on business, whether you're here as a student, whether you're here as visiting family, or whether you want to actually live in the United States, the entire immigration process needs to be reformed in the United States. And that's going to be my hot take for the rest of my life. Yeah. Our immigration process sucks. Oh, absolutely. The wait time is incredible. Logistics suck at embassies yeah. across the United States. Because I don't know if what's going on in those embassies, but I don't think immigration will protect. Yes, the, the embassies abroad should protect U.S. nationals always. But it, of course, that's our first priority. Our second priority is taking care of people who want to come into the United States. Absolutely. We are a soft power and flexing the soft power muscle should be at the forefront of these embassies everywhere. And fixing the entire visa process from reducing wait times to making it easier to obtain one. Yes, I understand. This could be a, also a national security threat, but we we have such good homeland security. Like we got the best in the we have exactly. I, I I trust our homeland security. I mean, 
has there been besides domestic terrorism a, a threat uh, an attack on the united states from an outside power ever since or a non-state actor that is foreign never since, so, since 9-11 if that's the case then there's the, the debate of whether or not homeland security uh, and tsa actually works but that's a different conversation but we haven't had an attack from an outside power since then so so i mean yeah you're right homeland security is doing a fantastic job at holding down our court so our entire visa process that is a perfect time to bring in more people and attract more people and if you make it easier to go in and out of the united states money becomes easier going in and out of the united states absolutely an open immigration process will and i'm not saying like like what what um the Republicans are saying that the Democrats have open borders. Like, no, no, I don't want that. We need to have a process. But we need to be we need to allow more visas. The more people that come into the country is the more investment opportunity. Because what are we gonna do? Well, we have to house them. Okay, there goes people who need to invest, businesses, real estate businesses and companies that are going to make housing for them. There's one. The next one is going to be businesses who are gonna take in more workers. They're going to be able to put more taxes on our payroll. They're going to be able to be more efficient because they're going to have more people. They're going to be able to put out better products because they have more people. Lower prices, too, because they're able to create more products. That's two. And then the third one is just repeat, 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 repeat. It's going to repeat its process every single year of investment. So I, I definitely agree. Opening the immigration, more visas, and permanent residency. That's what they need. Permanent residency is what we need. Yeah. Because what does permanent residency bring? Brings more people willing to work. Mm -hmm. It brings, it forces essentially construction companies and every, and anything related to um, infrastructure in the United States to prop up more, more housing. Yeah. We need that call. We need a call to action. We need a reason to prop up all these infrastructures. Which also opens new avenues for small business, better infrastructure, um, more investment in those communities. More communities also in general. Promotes more of our soft power because now they see all these all our infrastructure industry skyrocketing. Yep. People around the world want a piece of that. They'll be like, Hey, look what's going on over there. I want a piece of that. Yep. Now you bring in more money. Yeah. It's a domino effect. It's, yeah, it's perfect. And it also put, gives immigrants trust in America. Right now, a lot of immigrants don't trust the American process, which is why they come in illegally. And which is also why a lot of them don't come yeah, anymore. So it, it, it puts a lot of trust in the process. Um, so the next one that I have is um, making a new economic deal with China. And I know this sounds ridiculous and far-fetched. But if we are the first, if we step up to them first and say, hey, let's make a deal, you know, let's tie ourselves more economically. It's a big, soft power move to not only flex our muscles because like, oh, yeah, we can trade with China and still get, be the benefit, the bigger benefactors out of it. Mm -hmm. But it also can put China back from invading Taiwan and becoming such a nuisance in the South China Sea because they realize that they're becoming more and more intertwined with the United States and the West. Right. So an economic deal, and I'm not saying that we have to rely on China. I'm saying what we need to do is just create something that's an exchange between the both of us so that we deal between the both of us where goods are going to them, goods are coming to us. It creates an intertwining factor and also shows the world that we can work with China too. 
further with. Uh, staying on to China. I don't think that's far-fetched because this is what they're saying at the G7 summit is that they don't want to hurt economic China's pro- economic Probably. progress. They want to see if they can work with them or around them, essentially, without yes. harming their progress. So I don't think it's too far-fetched. I think it's possible. What I was going to add to that, which is another one of my points to increase our soft power, is our own Belt and Road Initiative. Ah, I love that. Our own version. We need an initiative, an investment initiative, which is not like the Chinese, but the the concept is the same, where we, the United States, essentially becomes a big bank, and people take, well, we will lend off money to countries that need it, and it kind of serves as like a, how do I say this, like a loan to grant program, where if this country that is borrowing money from the United States uses it responsibly and with the help of the United States' um, technology, we can prop up infrastructure in other countries without effing them over like China. Yeah. And we have a program where we have inspections as well like because yeah. China's uh, infrastructure is crumbling in yeah. Africa as we speak. I feel like that's that's a good persuader tool. Yeah, that the okay. United States does care about the LDCs around the world, least developed countries, and that we want to see a one world, and that we want to bring the entire community. We need our we are we need our own initiative like that. I agree because the the fact that we show that we can invest in you and care and not do what China's doing and then just get trapped them, hand out money. And not say, like, like we don't want this back right now. We don't care right now. We just want you to build. Yep. And then later on, we can invest in you and each other. This is what we're doing. We we're giving you confidence. Out. Yeah, we're giving a show of confidence to these countries that they can, they're, they're going to be a solid return on investment. And what that will do, essentially, is the rest of the world will say, okay, well, if the United States has this vote of confidence on them, then Europe's going to be like, all right, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's do this too. Let's, let's join in on this giant. Economic powerhouse we can get from like so the Middle East or Africa or Latin America. I like that. That's a good point. What would you call it? What would be a good name? I have no idea. I didn't think of a name, but mm-hmm. we'll have to come up with a name yeah. another time. Speaking of that, um, I just thought of another point. Yeah, the United States needs to be the global energy king. Ah. We need ah. to be the one providing energy for the world, and we could create. Okay, here we go. We create a hub where we invite all countries around the world to contribute in coming into the United States and developing our technologies here. We serve as the, the center of energy. To have that image of the United States being the center of energy, that is how you create U.S. attraction. We need to have energy. We need to be the, the hub. We need to be the one connecting the world. Now it raises the concern that what happened, what would happen to the United States? God forbid something happens, the entire grid knocks out, the entire world is out. It's a good concern, and that's why we have to bring all countries into the the United States here and work together, develop technologies together, tax free. Does not cost a penny to a person who wants no patents either, so we can open, keep it open. And we'll delegate tasks where we'll have we'll have like one region material building, another region bringing in the stuff, 
one region working with the United States to develop them, and then we spread them out. Yeah, I like it. It, it. It's it's a concept that I've always been thinking about. Like, it, this is what I do in my free time. Yeah, <laughs> not even in my free time. I'll just be sitting. I'll be like, well, how? What are some ways I can make money? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is like this is the type of stuff I'd be thinking about. Well, and and also, I mean, I've said this a trillion times. Um, we sit on the largest natural gas and oil, um, a trillion dollars to be exact. Um, it's not the largest, but it's it's one of the three largest in the world. You know, next to the Saudis, and I think it, 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 Canada, Africa, um, the Middle East, and the United States kind of came together and, and did what you said to create this shared technology in Europe and Latin America and Asia. Um, and you know, be the manufacturers. Oh, free! It, it, it's world inclusion, and then energy security skyrocket. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there like I mean, between the U.S., Canada, and the, and the Middle East and Africa, there's there's enough energy, oil, natural gas in the world, and then we can all work together to create new technologies for the green technology, mm-hmm. the, the green future. Yeah, multiple sustain. And that's where, um, that's where uh, Latin America. Asia and Europe come in because they're the leader. Well, they're leaders in chips. You can make lithium in Venezuela, and they're and Europe is the leaders of green tech. So, period. There you go. Trifecta. Love it. Great idea. Yeah. yeah. All right. I have I have a pretty interesting point. Okay. Um, and I I don't know why. I'm okay. I do know why. I believe this, but I think it's 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 arguably very important. Is building more skyscrapers in our cities. Now, I'm going to tell you why this is important. Because modern infrastructure is great, but there's nothing more mighty, I think, than when you build the biggest building in the world. Look at Dubai, for example, the Burj Khalifa, 2,700 feet tall. Freaking massive. It's two. It's a thousand feet taller than the tallest building in the United States, the Freedom Tower. I think what that shows to the world is that the Middle East, we're not going anywhere. This we can, is, we can build whatever we want. Whatever we want. Look at China. China. If you look at the top ten tallest buildings, China has five of them. Five of them. That's Shanghai true. Tower is two thousand feet tall. The Shenzhen Tower is one thousand seven hundred feet tall. Um, South Korea has one of the tallest buildings in the world. Um, Japan has the tallest um, sky train, the tallest observatory in the world, period. The United States, on the other hand, used to. The Empire State Building used to be the tallest building in the world up until 1970 when the Willis Towers made Chicago. And then it was the, the Freedom Towers, or the, the, the Twin Towers, um, and then now it's the Freedom Tower. So, building skyscrapers is huge. Now, in New York City, there is 28 confirmed new buildings being built. Um, massive skyscrapers. All of them are going to be above 900 feet tall. I love that. I think that's great. And, and in Chicago, there's 12. And in LA, there's 14. But then you have to look at other major hub cities like Boston, like Atlanta, like Houston, Austin, Dallas, Denver, San Francisco, Miami. It needs to be landscape because if you look at china it's it's wuhan it's shanghai it's beijing it's shenzhen but in the united states it's like oh it's chicago and, and new york and then we just forget about everything else la starting to do it but, but we need the rest to follow along if we there's can make, nothing but land land that's what i'm saying yeah 
like in the United States, Chicago, New York, New York's a little bit more difficult because it's an island to build. Queens could probably fit in the Bronx, Brooklyn, eh. Manhattan struggling because there's a lot of buildings there already, and apparently Manhattan's sinking because of the heavy the heftiness of all the buildings. Let's court it to scientists and let's uh, build another twenty eight. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, but if the United States could build the world's tallest building again. I mean, look at what that did in 1930 when the first building over a thousand feet tall was built. You know, that was like. Of the century, and people came to New York City to go see the Empire State Building. But now, where are they going? They're going to Dubai. They're going to China. So you're saying that this would bring infrastructure jobs and tourism, tourism, and just just flex a muscle. Which is yeah. another one of my points was tourism. Yeah, you know. it's a big one. I mean, don't get me started with American infrastructure now. Yeah, but <laughs> um. <laughs> With, I'm just going to jump off of Josh's point, just tourism in general. Yeah, We need people reasons to visit the United States and give them a warm welcome when they come here. Because where do they go? New York City, Miami, Los Angeles. That's it. Do you ever see like Asians or Indians or Europeans in Montana, Texas, Austin, maybe, maybe Boston, Boston a little bit, yeah. but... Not in the wilderness of Montana. Yeah. For see very real. Yeah. For those very curious tourists. Yeah. They're they're that, attracted to cities. I mean everyone's attracted to cities. I mean, like we love the countryside. I love the countryside. And would I have loved to go see the countryside of Japan, but what am I gonna go visit first? Tokyo. Um, yeah. What am I gonna go visit in China first? Shanghai. What am I gonna visit in um in, in Qatar or UAE, sorry. Dubai, you know. When I go to Canada, where I want to go first, Toronto. Just what you're attracted to is buildings. Cool, they're cool, they're awesome. I love them. And if the United States can build the tallest building in the world, I mean, like it literally just flexes on the technology. I mean, just even just building more stuff. Yeah. Just in general, it doesn't even have to be skyscrapers. It just has to be stuff where people can just walk around, shop, have a bite to eat. It's cool. Have, yeah, have th- have like activities for people to do when they come here because they go into New York City to do that type of stuff. They have the views. They have stuff to do. They have places to shop, places to eat, and making it affordable too. I mean, a bacon, egg, and cheese was how much in New York? Well, the only one to was six bucks. That's not bad, comparatively. Actually, you're right. It, it, it's like three dollars more than what it is here. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, it's expensive. You're right, you're right. And so that would be good. And another one would be like, you know, train systems. And, and yeah. I guess a high-powered train. American infrastructure. I think the biggest flex of all time was when Japan said, let's make a train that's as fast as a jet. And they did it. <laughs> and they did it. They didn't, they didn't just come up with an idea. Like, the United States has this new... Um, supersonic railway that they're making that's going to be 300 miles. It's a plan. It's mm-hmm. never going to happen. Come on. No. But in Japan, they're just like, yeah, in Japan, they're just like, yeah, we could do that. And if you've ever been on a bullet train, you look out the window, you're going 2,000 miles an hour, but if you're sitting down, I know, but I'm just, I'm exaggerating. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm exaggerating. Okay. You're going really, really fast, but then you look back and you're just like, the lighting. You're just like, I, could, I took a nap when I was on it. It was great. 
And what, one hour later, we traveled, what, 600 miles? 600 miles from Tokyo to Kobe in an hour and like 50 minutes. You know, that was a 600 mile. It is 600 miles from Medicaid to Tennessee. Do you know how long the train ride is? Uh, 17 hours. Jesus. 17 hours. Interconnectivity. That's what we need. Yeah. If we want to even develop, we need to be more interconnected within the United States. So people come here and look at it and be like, oh, can go to the other side of the United States where my business is at, but I just landed in JFK because I had a business meeting over here. Yeah, and you can I can do it. Oh, yeah, I can do it by plane or I can take train. I think that's the thing. And people who say that we can't do it because we're a big country, ahem, China, Europe, they did it. China has a 185 mile an hour speed train that can get from uh, Beijing to Shanghai, which is like. 600 miles in, in two hours. Why can't we do it? We're, we're the biggest country, we're the biggest county in the world. Why can't we build it? Yeah. Sucks. We should. It's a, it's, it's a flex. It's a freaking an, flex. You know, we're ready for another hot take? Yeah, let's hear it. The United States needs to get rid of he, he, no, how do I say this? The them versus us politics. It's always Republicans versus Democrats. Uh-huh. It's always us versus them yep. mentality. Yep. This is what the international community looks at us and they're like, these effing idiots. Yep. Look at them. They're debating over the debt ceiling right now. They're willing to destroy the world economy over, over policy. They're politicizing they're politicizing an economic crisis waiting to happen. Yep. It, That's the and this div- political divide amongst even us as a the United States population is ridiculous. Yeah. We're too focused on tuning into what we want to listen versus just listening to it. We just won't. Yeah. Uh, You're right. And, and it's not it's not just one. It's not just the politics. It's the politics. It's the media. It's some people that just want to fuel everything. Yeah. And this is what dissuades people from coming into the United States. Yeah. They fear us because of this. Yep. Think about the, the flex of a muscle um, that we would have. And what we used to have is when Democrats and Republicans, whom are two different people, you know. And, and back then, if you don't know anything about U.S. politics, quick crash course. There used to be Republicans... You could be a conservative Republican or a liberal Republican. Same with Democrats. Conservative Republican, Democrat, or a liberal Democrat. Now, 1994 comes along, and Republicans become conservative completely. No liberal Republicans. Come 2000, when the Bush election is, Democrats, liberal. No, the only conservative Democrat I know right now is the one currently running for governor or president is Kennedy, like one of the Kennedys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, Kennedy was a conservative Democrat back in the day. That's not a thing anymore. But think about what it could be if they just agreed on something and create and, and pass bills left and right, fixing the government, fixing and helping the American people, turning this country into beautiful infrastructure, rich, wealthy. Even just a feeling of being able to cooperate. It's just great. Yeah. Is enough to persuade people. 
COVID, COVID times, when we were trying to pass a bill, and it was to give workers another, um, uh, what do you call it, stimulus check. Mm-hmm. And the Democrats, I think it was the Democrats, somebody put in the bill to add a couple billion dollars to be sent to Afghanistan. And it's little things like that, because then what does President Trump do? He says, no, this is supposed to be for the American people. And he vetoes it. And then no one gets their money. It's things like that. Well, who was that? I don't remember. I know it was one of the Democrat leaders. I don't remember who it was. It wasn't Pelosi, but um, but they they snuck they snuck things in like they're paying Israel this, they're paying Afghanistan that, and they're they're doing this this and that instead of just giving stimulus to the American people. So of course Republicans are going to jump all over it. Why are the Democrats it creates another Republican versus Democrat? Yeah, thing. Why are the Democrats doing that and a bill like that? If you want to send them money, create another bill. Yeah, do that in something that's going to the American people. All you're doing is creating more divisiveness. And, and the Republicans, they do the same thing. I can't think of anything off the top of my head at the moment, but they do the same thing. They sneak things in, and the Democrats are like, no, we don't want to do it. They just do it out of spite. And, and they do. Yeah, they do, do, they it. do it out of spite. Like, they, and that's what it off. In Europe, during COVID, almost all the countries just said, hey, we're in a, we're we're in a situation right now. <laughs> we're going to give you a stimulus check, but we get out of the situation. In the United States, we got three. And they were all like thirty percent lower than what Europe was giving. I think it was like a thousand per- every time they release something. Yeah, it was like a thousand dollars. Yeah, every time they release something times three. Yeah, so three thousand. Yeah, so we released. I think one. they got like three thousand. Come on. Yeah, and we got fourteen hundred dollars every stimulus check twice. <laughs> one of them was six hundred, and then another one was two thousand. Like I didn't, I didn't in America, what's even, that going to do? Yeah, it's like it's going to do absolutely nothing. $1,400 will pay your rent a month. Yep. What's going to happen next month? Your oh. food. <laughs> yep. And so, yeah, I mean, overall, the politicization of everything, every yeah. single thing. It's frustrating. Very frustrating. It's very frustrating. It, it dwindles our soft power in many, many ways. If they, they can, look at us and they're like, well, you can't even figure it out yourself. Why are you coming to us to work with us when. Or why should we trust you? Yeah, why should we trust you when you guys argue over. Every small little detail. It should be a, a, a give here, I'll take here. Like, yes, give you this yes. if you let me have this. And that's it. It's yeah. it's and that's how it used to be. You know, you you get a victory here, and then sometimes you don't get a victory. But you know, you you fight your battles. You know what's more important for your party for your agenda to be voted back in. And both Democrats and Republicans, they both it's always yeah. want to win. Yeah. Always. 100% of the time, which is not beneficial to the country because it's exactly why we can't get – we can get stuff through the House because there's a majority for either Republicans or Democrats. But you can never get stuff through the Senate because you need a two-thirds majority, and there's never, ever going to be a two-thirds majority in the Senate because the country is split directly in half in terms of Republicans versus Democrats. So everything's going to be a filibuster. Sorry to get on a little U.S. politics right here, but yeah. he's, it's a great point. Doing those are soft power. It's 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 horrific. Yep. Yeah. What's another one? I th- I'm I'm exhausted my list. Yeah, I'm exhausted my list too. There's definitely more out there. There's definitely more, but we just give a few. I mean, international aid. We give we've given a lot of aid, which is what we're good at here in the United States. And it's not something that we should give up though. No, I don't. I don't think definitely. we should just stop giving out international aid and look inward or look more American. 
Yeah. Is giving Ukraine a lot of? Are we giving Ukraine too much aid? You could say you could argue May. yes. But... Are you yes? I know, but I just wish with all the money we gave to Ukraine, it's also going to other countries as well, and also here in the United States. That's exactly. As well. We need a more. How do I say this? More balanced way of giving money. Yes. Where we have we have a lot of issues. That need to be funded. Here in the United States, infrastructure problems. That need to be solved. Yeah. Housing, inflation, what a lot of things. You name it. Ukraine, they of course they, they need their weapons. They need to fight back against Russia. Because if hadn't we not given them that ability to reduce it ourselves and hard power, both. And we also need to help out other countries as well, yeah. which can boost our soft power. Yeah, all all of this leads to, yeah, some people will say, oh, giving aid, how will giving aid support our soft power? We're, we're just giving out money and nothing in return. Yes. It comes back later. It always comes back later. Yeah. We'll we have that country knocking on our door saying, hey, we want to work with you. We want to give you something. We want to give you some of our resources as a thanks for helping us out during our rough times. That's an important part going to my first point was investment in the Middle East and Latin America and Africa. Just it doesn't for, have to be right now where we yeah. they, they give us – it's like, here's this money for this. We'll see it in like five to ten years after they fix yes. their problems first. The trust is what we need to kind of think. The American one, one, the American people don't have and also two, politicians don't have, but they also don't want to piss off the American people because they see money going to Africa and they're like, well, what's going on? Well, you know, we're investing in this country – or in this continent because we believe we can get something out of it in the future. But if we're not seeing it now, politically, that's horrible for any politician. Yeah. That they're just handing out money to. And it's unfortunate that we have this mentality where we want it now and not wait for the benefit in five to ten years. Because things take time. Everything, everything. Everything will take time. No matter what task it is. This generation does not understand that at all. They want it now. And, and, and the- this generation, politicians... Yeah, they don't name it. Yeah. And so but we just like we need to kind of uh I think we have a four year plan in the United States. Every president. We need to create and we need to stop focusing on the president because the president doesn't make laws. He he does he can enact foreign policy and, and put bills on the table. But what really is important is the Congress and the Senate and the Senate. The House and the Senate. They are the ones that make the laws, that create our foreign policy. They should not have the four-year plan. They should have 10-year plans. And I'm not saying to create like, you know, 10-year plans because we're going to vote them in every 10 years. I'm saying to create these 10-year plans for future politicians who put their inputs in. If they're there, if they, uh, you know, voted out or whatever. Yep. So, yeah. I think that's it for um, this episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this one. Um, we believe that this was an important one to discuss. Yeah. Um, it's soft power. Not a lot of people know the difference between hard and soft power. Or even know what they are. Or yeah. <laughs> so we hope you guys enjoyed this one and got something out of it. Um, and we will see you in yeah. the next episode. Before we do that, we're just gonna give you guys an update. So oh, yeah, the, yeah, I completely yeah. <laughs> I just remembered too. That's why I was like, Oh my goodness. Good catch. Well, by the time that this episode comes out Wednesday, we will be in Paris. Well, actually, we'll be in Normandy, but we'll be living in Paris. Um, well, we will be in Paris, actually. I like. We will be in Paris. We're going to be somewhere. In Europe. That's what matters. We're going to be in Europe. 
So for this whole month that we're going to be in Europe, what we're going to do is we're going to only release an episode of uh, latest global developments on Wednesday so we can keep you guys updated with what's going on in the world. We're also going to finally create and utilize our, our TikTok too, because we're going to be visiting a lot of international organizations and hopefully be able to discuss with some of the people that we meet. But mostly, we're going to definitely give you videos on where we're going. And Our TikTok is like what? NGF? Um, underscore. Or dot news. Uh, dot news, yeah. Yep. So our TikTok is ngf.news. Follow it. You will see us. You will see our faces for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're still working on making video related podcasts as well you'll see yeah. those on youtube uh soon but we're just waiting for our website to be built so yeah. that we can also upload them to our website so still a bunch of stuff in the works but yes we will be in on our school study abroad for one month so expect less episodes once a week and you'll see us on tiktok so absolutely all right good catch yeah <laughs> we forgot about i almost forgot but yeah Thank you all for watching, um, and we'll see you in the next latest Global Developments episode. Yeah, take care.